I was sitting there just now thinking of a way to open this service. And, uh, we'll get out by 2 o'clock. <laughs> Don't say that. But in your Bibles, Genesis chapter 1, you don't need to turn there yet. I just want to bring this point. In the beginning, God, until you believe that, you'll never be saved. John chapter 3, verse 16. For God so loved the world that He gave all that He had. Gave the only Son that He had for you. Until you believe that, you'll never be saved. Until you realize who you are and who God is. You realize it's He sinned. No, you sinned. I sinned. And He came and gave all that He could possibly give. Acts chapter number 2. Acts chapter number 2. I bought me a, an electronic Bible because my fingers don't work anymore. I have trouble turning the pages. But I brought this good old blessed book I've been, been trying to handle now for a long time. Ain't God good? Ain't God good? Father, we thank you today. We thank you for your presence already. Thank you for loving us, God, the way that you do. Not hell, but do. We can never love you, God, the way that you love us. But please, Holy Ghost, help us to try. Thank you for today. Thank you for this church, God, and this pastor, preacher. Thank you for those, God, that are so faithful in coming, God, and trying to hold him up, but holding you up at the same time, God. You're important to our lives, Lord, and we thank you so much for saving us eternally. Nobody can take that away from us. We thank you for that promise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Genesis, uh, Acts, excuse me, Acts chapter number 2, verse number 1. And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, when the day of Pentecost that had been broadcasted from the beginning, when it had fully come, the Bible says they were all with one accord in one place. My message today is being in accord, being together in one place. How do you get together in one place? I thought as I left this morning home to come over here, one of the things that we have to do, or I have to do, if you maybe last week wasn't a, a good week for me. Maybe I got up this morning on the wrong side of the bed. I, I, I don't know. But I say this, it takes an attitude pill for me. I've got to take that pill and look at me and not you or no one else and do the best I can to say, God, I'm sorry, forgive me, help me to be what I'm supposed to be on this day. Acts chapter 2 says this to me, uh, if you will. Do you remember the first time that you went to church? Can you recall the first time that you went to church? Most of us went to church when we were little fellows. Mom saw to it that John and I, John my brother, John and I, uh, attended church and we we, we were regular uh, the church that we attended did not have Wednesday night service and they did not have Sunday night service so the, a, a block away there was a Presbyterian church mom loved to take us there Dr. Bedinger was his name I don't know how I remember that this morning but I, I do on the other side of town was the Nazarene church and his name was Dr. Cox I mean I, I, these were two great people and then there was the Baptist church there, not too far from us either. 
but he was a great man of God also. So mother, mother saw to, to it that, that we heard what we were supposed to hear. But it didn't always go that way, and I'll, God help me, I'll do that. But do you remember the first time you went to church? I, 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 don't, I don't remember all those times that we went to church, but the thing that I remember most was when God saved me in 1978. I remember that. I remember who I was before God saved me, not proud of it, but I, I remember that day that I went to church. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 4 through 7. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Let me just stop a minute and say this. The gospel was tongues to me before God saved me. I heard a lot of preachers preach. I heard a lot of good preachers bring the, the good news to tell you how to be saved and what you had to do to be saved and the beliefs that you had to have in order to be saved. It was all tongues to me. But I want to say point two. I remember when God saved me, the tongue part was gone. Now I know what he's talking about here. The tongue part, I understood what they were trying, what the preacher was trying to say. What the God-called preacher was doing the best that he could do to tell me that I needed Jesus Christ in my heart and my life. Could I stop here a moment and say this? I said, Genesis, you've got to believe that's God. I said, John 3.16, it's up to you whether you do what you're supposed to do there. But there is no excuse today for anybody not being saved. There's no excuse. God took your place. I mean, I had a son that had, ne had never done his had never done anything wrong whatsoever. But he took your place so that you wouldn't have to pay for your own sin. Amen. You need to be saved. Listen to what he says, verse 4, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. I say simply this, I sat down this morning, and he sat down beside of me, brother. I love that. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. And there were dwelling at Jerusalem Jews, devout men, out of every nation under heaven. Now when this was noised abroad, and the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. Verse 7, And they were all amazed, to say the least. They were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? Do you remember the first time that you were part of a Holy Ghost church? You know, and I think the reason the Lord led me in, in, in this way, and, and I'll give you more in a moment, but I do believe why, what, what we're trying to do today is I hope you realize what you've got here. I hope that you realize that you've got a church that the Holy Ghost is in. Now, there's a lot of churches today, and I'm not putting churches down, but I say this, you must have the moving of the Holy Ghost of God before you'll ever have a service. First thing that appealed to me when I walked in, Richard and, and, and his wife said simply last Sunday that uh, everybody was so good to them. Y'all have been so good to us. And that's what a church needs. I, I'm going to harp in just a moment on the word togetherness. We've got to be together in how the God would have us to work and how God would have us to act every Sunday of our lives. We've got to be out of church what we are in church. For people look at us and they judge us not because of our church attendance, but because of how we are outside the church. Do you remember the first time that you came to a Holy Ghost church? They were all hearing the same things. God help me to hear what you hear. And God help you to 
help me and help you to hear what the preacher has to say when it's scripturally every time. Men that were filled with the Holy Ghost. The greatest thing in the world that ever happened to me was when I, I started to say when, they, when I got filled with the Holy Ghost. But I like a filling of the Holy Ghost. I, I like coming to the house of God and, and, and thinking about the people that you have already met and those that you uh, have spoken to you and those that have shook your hand and, 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 and the rest of everybody. Everybody else wants to be the same way. Just to think about what God has in store for me next Sunday. I love to leave home that way, being expectant about those things. Men filled with the Holy Ghost. To be grouped with people that understand the works of the Holy Ghost of God. Acts 2, verse 21. Now I'm headed somewhere, I really am. Acts 2, verse number 21 says, I better put these glasses on. Listen. Listen. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord, somebody tell me. Give, would, you, would you do it again? Everybody. Everybody shall be saved. That's a promise. If you're here today lost without, lost without Christ, it, there's two things that you could know of. It's appointed unto man wants to die, and after death is the judgment. And if, if you're without Christ, you won't be judged righteous through the blood of Christ. You'll die and go to hell. I had a young man tell me one time, not long after I'd been saved, we were talking about heaven and hell. He looked at me and he said, I wasn't called, called to preach at that time. He said, uh, you, you know, I don't believe I want to go to heaven. And I said, Terry, why? He said, there ain't going to be nothing to do in heaven, but there's going to be plenty to do in hell. Boy, he got that thing backwards, hadn't he? I'm going to promise you this day and time, if God will help me to, to magnify him in such a way that you don't want to go to hell. You don't want anything, you don't want, to, you don't want anything there is to do with that place called hell. Do you remember while in church hearing these words? If not, maybe. I've had people to tell me, that I, you know, I felt like getting saved this Sunday, but I've got something I want to do tomorrow. I, I really started to come to the altar this morning, but there was just something that made me hesitate to say, not today, but just one more Sunday. That's good if another Sunday comes. But if it doesn't come, what are you going to do? You'll die and go to hell without any remedy whatsoever. And I've skipped over a lot of things. Because I, asked, uh, I asked my wife how long she wanted me to preach, and she said, I have Brother, I finally trained her to do this. I love my wife. Acts 3, verse number 1. This is really my message today. I get hung up on the word now. Because it makes you go back in chapter 2 and see all that took place in the first church. It makes you go back and look at what happened in the first church. It makes you look at those that were not together, became together because of what God had done in the first church. You see, I believe that everybody in here realizes that this is of God. This is not something you're here. Thank God for your being here. But God created this. 
The works of the Holy Ghost is manifested every time the choir sings, and the works of the Holy Ghost is manifested every time Brother Henry preaches. There is no excuse today for not being what, what the first church was. Now, Peter and John went up together. Get a hold of that. Nobody knew any more about Christ than Peter or John. No one was dedicated any more than Peter and John. John wrote Scripture. Peter wrote Scripture. Peter, as you know, denied many times, but he's back here doing what he ought to be doing. The thing that, that appeals to me every time I read this verse is, what they, is that they were together. Had their mind in the same place. Wanting to go to the same temple. Peter and John's together. How many times had they prayed together? Prayed with the Lord many times. But how many times had they gotten together just themselves and asked the Lord for this, that, or the other, and God was faithful in giving them this, that, and the other. And when they walked up to the temple today, they were together. They were going to the house of God to worship. They had no idea what's fixing to take place. Together. They were going to bring themselves to the house of God. Pray, preach, and sing. I'm going to go somewhere else just for a moment here and we'll come back to chapter 3, verse 2. One of the reasons that I began to... I've never preached this message before. But when I first, when I first got saved, there was a church in Charlotte that was known for famous preaching. They had some of the greatest evangelists. I mean, they had a great preacher. They had the day that we went was just phenomenal. I mean, it was great. The, the, the ability that you could see, they could get it, and the ability to give it to you in such a way that you could understand it. My brother called me one day, and he was he's really responsible for praying me into heaven. But he said, Bubba, this church is having a, a revival starting Monday morning, and would you like to go? Janice said she'd like to, and I'd like to, and John's wife, Judy, and this is, this is important. And then I called a friend of mine from West Virginia, said he'd like to come also. So we all met there at the church, went in and sat down in the middle row, about maybe five or six seats back. Never heard such preaching in all my life. This preacher was preaching on how God works with the, with the uh, individual that's saved by His grace but just won't get right. The correcting hand of God. My, 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 where He took us. And at the end of His message, this is, for an example, this is what He said. There was a farmer that had mules and had horses and had cows and he had sheep also. And said he had one little, one little lamb that he could not keep inside the fence. He'd have to go day after day, no telling how many times. He'd have to pick that little lamb up and set him back in the fence. It went on, it went on, and finally the, uh, the, the, the farmer thought about this. He said, you know, there's bears and there's lions and there's all kinds of things out there. Just love to have this little sheep. So he reached down and picked the little lamb up and put the lamb's heart to his heart. He took a hold of one of his little feet 
pressed the little lamb to his heart, and turned it till he heard the foot crack. And then he set the little lamb back into the fence. He never had problems with that little lamb ever again. He never wanted to get out. God doesn't want to do that to me, or God doesn't want to do that to you. But the correcting hand of God is there because He loves us with all of His heart. He gave all that He could possibly give for your sins and mine. It's taken care of. It's an eternal thing that God did. Anyway, when, when He finished, <laughs> my brother is a, was a shouter. He's in heaven now. But my brother was a shouter, and he began to shout. This is, a, this is one of them uptown churches. You don't do that. I mean, he began to praise God and he began to thank the Lord. You see, you have to know my brother, he was lost, lost. God went a long ways to get John and bring him back. And he began to tell the church exactly what God had done for him. And the preacher in the pulpit looked out across the congregation. And this is what he said, don't you let that bother you. We're having altar call. Don't you let that bother you. Well, when the preacher was finished, Break time, and we all went on break and stayed about 10 minutes and come back, and Brother Allen, our Bibles were gone. Five Bibles were missing. We started looking around, and we finally found our Bibles over against the wall on an exit next to an exit door. Somebody in the congregation did not like what John had to say and do, and they moved us hoping we'd just move right on out. You don't hear of that church anymore. It's been years. I mean, it's been years since I've heard it even mentioned. It bothers me that a church can be running so well and a church can be doing so good. And by the way, the time to pray is not when you're having problems. The time to pray is way before you have a problem. If the devil hadn't got you yet, he'll do all that he can to get you. Pray before the problem comes. I wrote simply this morning, today you hear what God has to say. What will you do with it today and tomorrow? Personal opinion. What does all the churches need? You, me. I mentioned a little bit ago a thing called an attitude pill. Before you come to the house of God, you be, you be sure everything's okay between God and you. You'll never, you'll never have a visitation from the Holy Ghost of God if you've got sin rampant in your life. You've got to take care of it. And you've got to do it in such a way that God knows you mean it. I, I can't just get up some morning and say, Lord, you know, I sinned yesterday and I'm sorry for that. And, and, and it, No, God doesn't hear that kind of prayer. God hears the ardent, fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman. And you must, with all your heart, tell God that you're sorry for the sins that you have committed. So before you leave home to come here anytime, you need to be sure everything's all right between you and God. Number one, that you may not hinder the service. That you may not walk in on a bunch of people that's been praying and, and you have not been praying. All you can do is what you can do. But be sure that your attitude's right when you come to the house of God. Second thing, I believe this with all my heart, you get exactly what you expect when you come to the house of God. Leave home expectant 
and expect great things when you walk through the doors back there of God's house. You've got to have an attitude of forgiveness. You cannot worship with someone that's got a, a grudge against you or you've got a grudge against that individual. You've got to come together in Christ and make that thing right. I don't think any of, that, any of that's going... Haven't, I haven't smelt any of that here. What a blessing it is today to be able to have the forgiving spirit that only the Holy Ghost can impart. Open oneself to the works of God's Spirit. What would God have you to do today? What would God have you to say today? This blesses me. I, I walk in here and, and, I, and when I leave home, I, I do my best to ask God to help me be what I'm supposed to be and help me to hear what I'm supposed to hear. And I don't know who this fellow is, but he messes me up every Sunday. All he says is, "Woo." Do you know who it is, Miss Sharon? I don't know who he is. But sure helps me. Sure helps me because I feel the same way. I feel the same way. We see in Acts 3 a lame man fully restored, happy than he had ever been in 40 years. My wife and I got married. I thought sure that I was saved. and I started working seven days a week and, and had to call back all during the night and all of that. I, I, she and I were first couple first year, so we'd even read together. And I knew things was okay. And then I, then I, I started to stray and, and do the things that, that you had no business doing. I, I told somebody the other day I was the president of a fool's club for 20 years. The president of a fool's club for 20 long years. But this old boy, I understand it was better than 40 years, but he had suffered. Somebody had to bring him. Something happened in his life that made him a happy individual. Let's just read it together very quickly. Chapter 3, verse 2. And a certain man lame from his mother's womb was carried whom they laid daily at the gate of the temple, which is called beautiful, to ask alms of them that entered into the temple. Who seeing Peter and John about to go into the temple, asked an alms. Peter fastened his eyes upon him with John, said, Look on us. And he gave heed unto them, expecting to receive some money or something of them. That's how he made his living. Then Peter said, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have, give I thee. That's all you can give. You can't give something you haven't got. He says, In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. He took him by the right hand, lifted him up, and immediately his feet and ankle bones received strength. He instituted the first move. Fellow could have got up by himself. You know, so many times in, 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 since I've been saved by God's grace, I've asked somebody if you need help, and they'll say, yeah, I don't help them. What did I ask for? My intentions was to help them, but they never, they didn't, didn't relate to me what kind of help that they needed. But here, Peter and John does one thing that's so important in the house of God. They extended their hand. And they showed the men that, that, that they meant business. That whatever you have need, we'll help you with it. Can't give you no money. But such as I have, give I thee. Watch verse number 8 very quickly. And he leaping up stood and walked 
and entered with them into the temple, walking and leaping and praising God. I've been to churches before where that was outlawed. And then my dear brother was outlawed because of it. Listen, when you stop just for a moment and think about where you were headed, and because of the cross, because of the blood that was shed on Calvary's cross, and you understood it, and you asked God to forgive you your nasty, low-down, dirty personality, your nasty, low-down sins, and God said, repent, you repented. And God said, thou shalt be saved, and your S-A-V-E-D. Can't nobody take it. Ain't nobody can take it away from you. As much power as the devil has, he can't take it away from you. He can help make your life miserable, but he'll never get that eternal soul that God gave you. I asked myself this morning as I read this again, if this is not correct to do, and, and by the way, this is done outside the church. This, this is done before they even go into the church. I can, You see, I love to imagine things, but I, I love to imagine right things. And if this dear, dear, and he's now a brother, by the way, if this dear brother could shout and leap and jump and holler on the outside of the church, what in God's name could he do when he gets in the church? When somebody gives him the plan that needs to be given, watch what he says. Eight, and he leaping up stood, walked, entered with them into the temple, walking, leaping, and praising God. What did he do as soon as he received healing? He went to church. I wonder why in the world did God put this in there? Because it's the right thing to do. The day God saved me, I, did, I hadn't been to church in 20 years. Hadn't even darkened church door for 20 years. My dear old brother was one that believed in Myrtle, Mississippi. They had a meeting twice a year, and he always went in the spring, and he called me and told me he was going, and I laughed at him for going that far. He came back. He went on Thursday. came went on Wednesday. Came back on, on on Thursday, Friday, Saturday morning. I was lying in bed and and I heard the door cracking open and I looked and it was John. He was crying. I mean, water was just running off his nose. I said, John, what's the matter? And he tried to say something and all he could say was, "Brother, I love you." And he turned and went back out the door. That afternoon, mother, my mother was living with us and. Phone rang and mom answered. She came and said, Arnold said, That's John. He wants you to know, wants to know if you'll go to church with him in the morning. Twenty years of begging, I said no. But this specifically morning, there was something that had happened in my heart while lying there in the bed. I said, Mom, you go tell John that I'll be there for preaching, but I'm not going to Sunday school. Came the next morning, Janice got ready, I got ready, something we'd never done before. Got ready for church. We had our family. We got our family ready. We got in the car and we got to church about five minutes to 11. I walked into the church and they were a shouting and they were a praising and they were, having a, they were having what most folks would say an ungodly time. But they were having a godly time, Brother Thomas. What happened is the Lord told my brother on a Thursday night, John didn't tell me this because he knew I wouldn't go I wouldn't go to church. He said, John, you've been praying for a long time. My brother had a walk-in closet. And that walk-in closet was probably eight by eight, something like that. And if you asked John to pray for you, John wrote your name on the wall. And that, that room 
That room was full of names of people that he had prayed for. Anyway, God told John, I heard your prayer. I'm going to save your brother. John said God, like to scared him to death. He said God said, said he, he, he won't even go to church. He said, you go ask him. He'll go tomorrow. He'll go tomorrow. And I'll save him tomorrow. So there's something I want you to do, John. You, you'll, have to, you'll, you'll have trouble believing this. But my brother talked to God just like me and my brother talked. God said to John, said, I want you to stand up in Sunday school right before preaching, and I want you to tell 300 people that I said. Your brother hadn't been to church in 20 years. He'll come this morning, and I'll save him this morning. Five minutes after the preacher started preaching, I come under an awful conviction. I got up, went to the altar. My brother got in the altar with me on this side. Janice got in the altar on this side making things right. She was already saved, just re reaffirming her salvation. And I got up from there, and I knew, I, don't, I can't tell you this, but I knew God did something. I knew I had changed. I knew I had changed. Went home that afternoon. Preacher said, y'all come back tonight. My goodness, I went home. and The, the first thing I thought about was tithing. Hadn't been to church but two hours. I thought about tithing. Went home and got some money. And come back Sunday night and gave what little bit I thought was tithes. When God changes you, you're changed. You'll look for ways to please God. Nobody has to pump and prime you to give to the house of God. Now listen to me. I mean this with all my heart, and I mean this lovingly. If God's given you the time and God's given you the talent, please use it. He would have you. That's why He gave it to you, if you please. Happiest fellow you've ever seen. I wrote down four things this morning. He can now fellowship with those in the church that he couldn't fellowship with before. The only, the only conversation he has before they walked in, would you give me some money? Uh, we Baptists don't like to hear that, do we? And I don't know who they were, but the <laughs> chapter tells us who they were. But the whole thing is to the glory, to the glory of God, if you will. He asked for, asked for money. But then he got what Peter had had to give him. He can now become part of the good life in Christ. Because of his joy, everybody in the church can have the same kind of joy. There is something, there is something about telling somebody about what God's done for you that joyfully, it just spreads and that's what's so good about being in the house of God together. To have the same relationship, being together in all things, being together that you know there's a God, being together that you know Jesus Christ was born of the Virgin, being together you know that God gave His only Son on Calvary, being together you know that His shed blood was for you and maybe you alone, for the whole world, maybe just for you alone. You're together in God's house because of that. Because of his joy, much joy spring up in the church. Now he will be an inspiration to all who go to church. Now, and the Bible doesn't say how, many, it doesn't say how long he stayed in the church. But from here on. Somebody 
comes by and they look and there's a vacant place in front of the church where the old beggar used to stay. The lame man sat. Somebody brought him. Said, where is he? He hadn't been here for a couple of Sundays. You need to go inside and see him. He's a changed man. My son passed away in 1985, March. Had just finished school. God spoke to my heart and said, I want you to hold his funeral. And I did. There was four little ladies at, at the mill that I worked in. And every morning at 9 o'clock, we'd take a break and we'd sit down at this table in the lunchroom. And we'd get a cup of coffee or whatever and eat a donut or whatever. And we'd sit there and talk. And the day after God saved me, I walked up to the table and I said, called each one by name. I said, I know it's early, but did you hear what God did for me? One of them looked at me and said, you'll never last. You can't do it. God didn't save you. That was in 1978. This is somewhere, what, 2023? must have took. God must be able to save and save to the uttermost, if you will. But anyway, when, when we buried my son, these little ladies came up to me after the service was over with. By the way, God gave me a message like I've never had before. And 13 of Jeff's friends bowed in the altar and told me that God saved them. 13, 13 young boys and young girls. The most amazing thing was we went out to the cemetery and we went home. The next morning I was at work and I was in my office and the, the door that we have going into the office had a little piece of glass about maybe a foot square where you could just look in. And I looked up and there stood a young man, a friend of my son's. I motioned for him to come on in and when I did he started crying. He walked over to where I was at and I called him by name. I said, son, what's the matter? He said, Arnold said, when you gave the altar call yesterday, my friends got saved, but I didn't. And I want to. And I want to. We bowed in the office floor. I called his name out to God. I put him on the altar so God would do what needed to be done. I asked him to confess his sins, and he did right in front of me. And I believe today that that old boy is saved by the marvelous, wonderful grace of God. I believe he could stand and testify today to the goodness and mercy of God. I need to tell you this, and then, then I'll, I'll be through. I know it's been scattered. I've never, never met anybody in my years like my brother. You say, well, he was your brother. He sure was. Flesh brother, saved brother. He had taught... Him and God talk just like me and you talk. Now, you're going to find that hard to believe. It's a fact. It's an absolute scare me to death sometimes, the relationship that, that, he had, that he had with God. Call me one Monday morning crying. He said, brother, he drove long haul. He said, brother, I've, I've got to go to Chicago today, but I've got the awfulest toothache I've ever had in my life, and I, I don't know what I'm going to do. I've got to go. He said, maybe I can find a dentist between here and Chicago and get that thing took care of. So he left. He got to Raleigh. Now, he told me all this when he got back. He got to Raleigh. 
There was a sign that said dentist's office, and he started to pull in, and God said, don't you do it. Don't you stop here. Went on about 100 miles, he said, and there was another sign that was re reflecting the work of a dentist. And he said, I, I, I'm hurting so bad, Lord, I got to pull in. And God said, don't you pull in. Don't you stop here. He went all the way to Chicago when he pulled up to a stop sign. He said, right beside of him was a blinking light that said dentist's office. And he said, I've got to go in. God didn't say nothing. God did not even speak. John got out of the truck and went into the dentist's office and nobody was there but the dentist. He started telling the dentist about the problem he had with his tooth and the doctor said, well, just sit down and we'll get that thing taken, taken care of. And John said, while the dentist was getting everything together, he said, I told him how much God loved me and what God had done for me and all about the blood of Jesus that I could get it. He said, I gave him the entire plan of salvation in just a couple of minutes. The dentist got saved. The dentist fell on his face before God and got saved. That's why God wouldn't let John stop. The most amazing thing is the next Monday, John called the house and said, I'm going to Chicago, and if I get a chance, I'm going to stop by there and just see how he's doing. He went to Chicago with no trouble, pulled into the dentist's office, walked in, nobody there but the dentist. said, when the dentist saw him, he said, Mr. Jackson, let me tell you what happened. He said, after you left, I went home, and my wife and two children were there, he said, I told him what had just happened in the office. What you had told me about God and his love for me and his love for people. The shed blood on Calvary. He said, I give, him, I give them everything that you gave me. He said, John, my wife started weeping. And I looked at my two children and they started weeping. He said, I led my whole family to the Lord in one week's time. I led my whole family to the Lord in one week's time. What a, what a blessing it is to be saved by the grace of God and to feel the power of the Holy Spirit in your heart and in your life. I want to try this morning to sing a song. Excuse me. I wasn't there by the shores of Galilee When Jesus touched those blinded eyes, made them see And though I did not see the empty tomb that day I still believe, for I know what Jesus did for me I believe there is power in the blood of the Lamb. I believe there is healing in the touch of His hand. But the greatest of all miracles was when Jesus saved me. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. 
I have seen the lowest sin, sick soul, have life anew and be made pure, pure and whole. And I have felt him loose the chains of sin, set my spirit free. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. I believe there is power in the blood of the Lamb. I believe there is healing in the touch of His hand. But the greatest of all miracles was when Jesus saved me. Yes, I know what Jesus did for me. Father, we thank you for today. We thank you for what you did for us on Calvary, how you gave the only son that you've ever had. I know, God, it had to hurt you to do what you did, but, God, you did it anyway. Thank you for the blood, Lord. Thank you for the shed blood of Calvary, God, that washes our sins away. Never, never to come back. doesn't make me perfect. But, Lord, we thank you for what you've done for us. For those that are here today, say, by your marvelous grace, I do pray, God, at this very moment, they've wrapped their hearts up with your heart. And then we pray, God, for that one that does not know Jesus Christ. They can know it. All they got to do is confess their sins. And, God, you said he'll, they'll be saved. He or she, Lord, they'll be saved. Thank you again for loving us the way that you have and the way that you do. Ask God to have you willing way in this church, and we'll thank you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen and amen. Thank you. 